Sometimes do you find yourself criticizing your partner, having a little contempt for one another, regularly defensive, or even stonewalling your partner? If so, your marriage could be in trouble. That, according to John Gottman, we'll cover that and much, much more on this episode of The Virtual Couch. Okay, uh, more email feedback before we get to the show. And this one is so good. This one is um, is my favorite. I know we're not supposed to have favorites. Each and every email is very important to me, just like all of my kids. But uh, you're going to like this one a lot. It says, Tony, and I did get permission from the, uh, the author of this email. Tony, therapy is like a bathroom in the middle of a long run. They already have me right there. I've got plenty of stories about bathrooms in the middle of a long run. Uh, but the person goes on to say, just uh, just wait to let you know you're making a difference in my life. My wife first introduced me to your podcast a year or so during a rough period of time for both of us. Discussing your episodes has broken the ice for some much needed conversations between us, which I'm so grateful for. I really am. Um, back to the email. That alone has been amazing. I'm using BetterHelp thanks to you. I live in a small town. Let me just say that would be BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. Please, please go there. If you're going to check, uh, take a look at BetterHelp.com, please go to BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. It really helps the podcast. But he says, I'm using BetterHelp thanks to you. I live in a small town and the counselor options are slim. Plus, I never saw myself as somebody who needed therapy. I came close a few times to setting up appointments, but I always backed out. BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch is so easy. Before you can have a second thought, they have you matched up. I love that because the uh, that process is very easy on BetterHelp.com. The barrier to entry is so low. I've been using it for a few weeks now, and I know it's going to make a difference in my life. Now to explain my crude analogy. My wife and I are training for a marathon. During the long run, we were catching up, and I was telling her about my experience with BetterHelp. A few miles later, we were passing a bathroom. I tried to tell myself I could tough it out, and I didn't want to stop and break my rhythm. Boy, have I been there. One of these days, I'm going to tell a story about uh, why I hold a Strava record in the town of Davis during a one particular one-mile stretch of a half marathon that has to do with exactly this concept. But that will be a very vulnerable uh, story for me. Back to the email. But I tried to tell myself I could tough it out and didn't want to stop and break my rhythm. I told myself I was tougher than that, but I stopped. After, I ran faster, felt better, and was glad I stopped. Therapy is the same. I was telling myself I wasn't that guy and that I could tough it, and that I could tough it out. Now that I'm going, I feel better, and uh, it's worth the brief pause on life. Keep up the good work. So thank you for that email. Again, these are coming in pretty regularly now, and I'm grateful for that. So please go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. And uh, just know that uh, that BetterHelp.com, over 500,000 people have already signed up, done this before you as well. Um, they're going to BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch, getting the help they need, even the help that they didn't know they need, as we learned about in this email today. There's a broad range of expertise in the counselor network that might not be available in local areas. Uh, it's available for clients worldwide. You can log in to your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You get timely and thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, even though my waiting room is very nice. I will admit that, but uh, but some some aren't, or you you might you don't want to run into somebody you know. But BetterHelp will assess your needs, match it with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can often start communicating in less than twenty four hours. And uh, they also have scholarships, so if you are struggling financially but you really want that help, um, BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. Go through there, sign up, and uh, you will find out that there are a lot of um, options for you on BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch, even if you are struggling financially. And uh, and I actually have coming up later this week. I have one of the um, a, a kind of a big deal at BetterHelp.com. 
and they're coming on to talk about the whole um, experience of BetterHelp, and I'm really excited for you to hear that interview. It, it, it's it's going to sound a little bit advertising, but man, we get into the nuts and bolts of how it works and uh, signing up for accounts and the way the therapists work and all that, so I'm, I'm really excited to share that interview coming up later this week. Um, there's a special offer for Virtual Couch listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. So what are you waiting for? Go sign up today. everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 151 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father for ultra marathon runner and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you have ever said, that's it, this is the last time I'm looking, don't you owe it to yourself to check out The Path Back. Find out what hundreds and hundreds of people just like you have discovered, that it can in fact be something that you put in your past, and trust me, it can be done in a healthy, cup-filling, strength-based, hold-the-shame way. Please head over to pathbackrecovery.com, and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And please take a moment and visit The Virtual Couch on Instagram. It's just at Virtual Couch. And you can now find The Virtual Couch page on Facebook. There's always Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist page on Facebook as well. And um, last but not least, stop by TonyOverbay.com and sign up there to find out more about a lot of really exciting programs and things that are coming soon. And if you leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify or Google Play Store, just leave it and shoot me an email at contact at TonyOverbay.com. If you have ideas about uh, podcast topics, if you've got questions, that sort of thing, feel free to shoot them over to contact at TonyOverbay.com. All right. Hey, let's get to today's show. Okay. I am excited about this topic today. And uh, first of all, um, husbands, welcome. If the, your wife has forwarded you this podcast, uh, it's an honor to uh, have you listening into the virtual couch kind of joking about that, but I, but I do feel like this is one of those where it is going to be heard by not just a, it could be a a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other. And they're going to hear that these, uh, these four things that we're going to talk about today, there, there's a lot of data behind, um, these are things that can really drive a wedge in relationships as John Gottman, who is a world renowned marriage expert. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the marriage. And if you're familiar with the whole concept of the apocalypse, then uh, you can understand that this is a pretty heavy topic. So I really do mean that. If if for any reason that somebody has forwarded this uh, this podcast to you and said, "Can you take a listen?" Then please look at that as as an honor, as a as an opportunity to re- repair or improve on a relationship. But I really am grateful if there are any new listeners that are here to listen to this uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse of Marriage. So let me give you a quick update or background on John Gottman. You know, I do a lot of my podcasts talking about EFT, this emotionally focused therapy for couples, which I absolutely love, adore. It's evidence-based. I use it 20, 25 times a week in couples therapy. Gone the record for saying that in the past, I never saw myself as truly being a couples therapist. I got in the field to help men become better husbands and fathers. And I started working with a lot of addiction issues, found out that at the core of addiction are a lot of these, what I kind of call that there's this void. And when you get someone who is turning to a, a substance or, or a thing to kind of cope or deal with life, you kind of go in there and find out what are those areas of life that they don't feel like they have control of. And typically what I found is it's, it's things like job, parenting, health, faith, but a big one is marriage. So at that moment, I decided I better go deep and find out a, a nice evidence-based marriage 
or couples modality to work with. But before I ever found the EFT principles, I was a huge Gottman guy. If you wanted to just have enough in your kind of therapist tool bag to work with, if you got the occasional couple, if that wasn't something that you did a lot of work with, John Gottman has just an incredible amount of research around couples. And uh, I'll just read a little bit. And this is from Gottman.com, G-O-T-T-M-A-N.com. And I, I highly recommend that you go there. There's a lot of good information there. From there, from the about, says, welcome to the Gottman Institute. We understand that the human family is in crisis and that all individuals are capable of and deserve compassion. It's our mission to reach out to families in order to help create and maintain greater love and health in relationships. We're committed to an ongoing program of research that increases the understanding of relationships and adds to the development of interventions that have been carefully evaluated. It's our goal to make our services available to the broadest reach of people across race, religion, class, culture, sexual orientation, and ethnicity. Dr. John and Julie Gottman, his wife, there's a, there's a section here on the about as well that says, just as Masters and Johnson were pioneers in the study of human sexuality, so Dr. John Gottman has revolutionized the study of marriage. For nearly four decades, he's conducted research on all facets of relationships, including parenting issues. And at the Institute, in collaboration with Dr. Julie Schwartz Gottman, he developed an approach that not only supports and repairs troubled marriages and committed relationships, but strengthens happy ones. The Gottman Institute provides live workshops, take-home training materials for couples. When I was a big Gottman guy, there, were the, there was this concept called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And I have people bring this up in therapy often, especially when I'm working with couples. And I'm often asked if I'm aware or familiar with the Four Horsemen. And so I've been meaning to do this podcast for quite a while because these are significant things to be aware of. If you have any of these Four Horsemen in your relationship, it's something that I really do believe it's, it, it needs to be addressed. And uh, what that's about is I didn't want to should on anyone. You know, you should really take care of this. So I was trying to be kind, but you really should if you find that these are, these are happening in your relationship. So I'm going to go over an article that is on the Gottman Institute website. It's by a woman named Ellie, and I'm going to butcher this, Lisitsa, L-I-S-I-T-S-A. And the article is called The Four Horsemen, Criticism, Contempt, Defensiveness, and Stonewalling. And uh, she starts off by saying that the four horsemen of the apocalypse is obviously a metaphor depicting the end of times in the New Testament. They describe conquest, war, hunger, and death, respectively. Those are those four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so they use the metaphor at the Gottman Institute to describe communication styles that, according to their research, can predict the end of a relationship. And when I was a brand new marriage therapist, or not a marriage therapist, when I was a brand new therapist and you learned about Gottman, Gottman has some data. I should have looked this up, but I swear it says something to the effect of he can predict if a couple is going to stay or get a divorce within the first 15 minutes of, I believe, the first session. And I remember honestly kind of feeling like, how, how could anyone get to that point as a therapist? And I'm not saying that 15 years in, I feel the same, but I do feel like when I'm going to work with somebody on these nice uh, EFT concepts, concepts of trying to be heard um, by your partner and having empathy and compassion and turning off your fixing and judgment brain and all of those things that I love talking about, there are times where you kind of get a vibe, you get a sense early on that, that something's just kind of a little bit off in a marriage. And, uh, and I do feel like these four horsemen of the apocalypse of a marriage are, are kind of those things that put off the vibe that, that something's really not right here. Something really does need to, to be addressed. So let me start with the first one. The first one is criticism. So the first horseman, criticism. Criticizing your partner is different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint. And I love that, I'm just going to call her Ellie, but I love that Ellie makes a distinction there. Because I often do find that people say, oh, what, I'm only supposed to just tell my partner that they're amazing and awesome? And uh, yeah, there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, it's a good place to start. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, but when you're kind of breaking down the difference of criticizing or critiquing or voicing a complaint... So she says the latter two are about specific issues, whereas the former is an ad hominem attack. 
It's an attack on your partner at the core of their character. In effect, you're dismantling their whole being when you criticize. And that just, that resonates. In, in therapy, I often have this just feeling where I want to say, what was the point? When somebody is truly attacking their partner, what's the point? Well, you know, why are they trying to break that person down? And that's where I, I truly do go back to these EFT principles of, you know, seek first, understand. Everybody comes to the table with their own individual experiences, even to a marriage, especially to a marriage. So what's the point of trying to break someone down? So Ellie says the important thing to learn is the difference between expressing a complaint and criticizing. Here's an example of a complaint. I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we'd agree that we would do that for each other. So that is, that is a valid complaint. And in the EFT world, that is an emotional bid. I was scared. I'm going to be vulnerable. I was going to tell you. I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call me because we had that conversation. So a criticism is you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe that you are forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. So you can, I hope you can kind of hear the difference there. From a complaint, a complaint is putting out basically an emotional bid saying, man, I was scared. And if somebody, if, the, if your partner responds to you saying, that's ridiculous, you shouldn't be scared, here's the part where I say, okay, you know, we, can, we can improve that. We can improve that kind of uh, communication. But the, you'll, you never think about how your effect, uh, behavior is affecting other people. I don't think you're forgetful. I think you're selfish. You never think of me. Here's the, here's the difference. Here's what happens with criticism versus complaint. Criticism puts the other person on their heels. Criticism kicks into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. You know, when we feel criticized, then our brain, you know, our heart rate starts to elevate. So our brain just thinks it's go time. And, and we are going to jump into this reptilian brain and put the, uh, put the rational part of the brain is going to take a hike. And it is, it is battle time. And that's where I find that people then jump into their bunkers, as I like to say, and they're just hurling insults at each other, basically trying to, break the other person down. So Ellie goes on to say, if you find that you, uh, or you or your partner are critical of each other, don't assume your relationship is doomed to fail. The problem with criticism is that when it becomes pervasive, it paves the way for the other far deadlier horsemen to follow that we're going to talk about in a minute. But it does make the victim feel assaulted or rejected or hurt and often causes the perpetrator and victim to fall into an escalating pattern where the first horseman reappears with greater and greater frequency and intensity, which eventually leads to the second horseman, which is contempt. But before we move on from criticism, though, I do just want to make that point. If you kind of think about what is my point in trying to criticize my partner, here is where I want to just beg you to seek first to understand. If somebody was running late, you know, I feel that the very best way to start is, hey, tell me what was going on. Um, tell me about your night. And if they say, I, you know, I got in a car wreck, I got a flat tire, I pulled over to help an old lady, um, then it, there's going to be a little bit more of softening of, oh, okay, you know, man, I was worried. And then, the, and then that's where the person who was running late might, might the, man, you know, I know I should have called. I was worried that you were asleep, those sort of things. Now we've got productive conversation. If it's the, you know, you're late. You never think about anybody but yourself. You're selfish. I don't believe you. All of a sudden it's like, oh, really? You know, aren't you going to even ask? I mean, you can see how these patterns escalate and how they just lead to unproductive communication. So let's get to that second, that second horseman, though, contempt. So she goes on to say the second horseman is contempt. When we communicate in this state, we are truly mean. We treat others with disrespect. We mock them with sarcasm, ridicule, call them names, mimic or use body language such as eye rolling or scoffing. The target of contempt is made to feel despised and worthless. Holy cow, contempt. I mean, you can see why these are horsemen. Criticism. I can understand. Criticism is we might have developed some unhealthy um, communication patterns to try to get our point made because we feel like we're not heard. We can work with that. Um, contempt is where people, and I see this often, I do, and it breaks my heart, and I try to call it out in sessions, 
but where somebody rolls the eyes, somebody does ginormous size, um, somebody mimics voices, somebody calls somebody names. I mean, we're adults, we're in relationships. There's zero place for that. Absolutely no place for any of that. And so I do try to call that out because, you know, even when you're trying to have a, a productive communication and all of a sudden somebody just does that shoulder shrug and eye roll, what's the point? Is it to make the person feel bad, feel stupid? Because if that is, then, hey, congratulations, you win a crummy marriage. So um, contempt. She goes on to say, contempt goes far beyond criticism. While criticism attacks your partner's character, contempt assumes a position of moral superiority, a superiority over them. Um, Ellie quotes, she says, you're tired? Cry me a river. I've been with the kids all day, running around like mad to keep this house going. And all you do is come home from work, flop down on the sofa like a child and play those idiotic video games. I don't have to have time to deal with another kid. Could you be any more pathetic? So, man, you know, there are, there are so many more ways. And, and this conversation, this one, I, I mean, this is one of the key EFT conversations that are productive where a guy comes home uh, and I'm just going to use stereotypical guy comes home from work. Wife has been home with kids. Um, guy wants to come home and, and relax. Wife has been waiting for a guy to come home and relieve the you know guy from uh, or relieve her from just a lot of hectic, chaotic things that have been going on. And uh, and that's one where man, we can talk about that. You know, sometimes um, it's the, the guy can feel really inter- he can feel I don't know he can feel needed. He can feel that wanted that uh, that desire if he comes home and just changes the script a little bit. There comes home and walks through the door and says, "Hey, what can I do to help?" You know, if, if, if the wife knows that uh, she has relief coming and, and it's a safe place that she doesn't have to worry about what guy is coming, walking in the room, walking in the door that day, you know, now we've got productive conversation happening. But this is the one that I hear often, this contempt that you're tired, cry me a river, I've been with the kids all day. So Ellie goes on to say, research even shows that couples that are contemptuous to each other are more likely to suffer infectious illness, colds, the flu, etc., than others due to weakened immune systems. Contempt is fueled by long simmering negative thoughts about the partner. Where and I'm inserting my my thoughts here. This is where the world of assumptions is made. This is where when people are not dealing with situations or talking about things, when they don't have a good framework to talk through things, that that's where this contempt continues to to rear its ugly head. So she says that that yeah, the contempt which comes to a head when a perpetrator attacks the accused from a position of relative superiority. Most importantly, she said contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. It must be eliminated. So let that one sit there for a while. If you if you call your partner names, if you mimic them, if you mimic their voice, if you do those sort of things, contempt, the single greatest predictor of divorce, according to 40 years in the field, researcher and marriage expert, John Gottman. Um, so it must be eliminated. The third horseman of the apocalypse, the apocalypse of marriage, is defensiveness. Uh, it's typically a response to criticism. So we've all been defensive, and this horseman is nearly omnipresent when relationships are on the rocks. Ellie says this. Um, have to take a quick side note. There's a lot of stuff going down in the podcast world right now, which is just fascinating. A lot of, if any of you are listening to the true crime podcast genre, there's a whole lot of those. Um, and not calling any shows out in particular, but uh, again, I follow this pod news every morning. And there's just been a lot of people that are, are just going on and finding a, a, a story and then just reading it almost word for word. And so without a lot of um, attribution and uh, people having to pull down episodes, that sort of thing. So I just want to be very clear when uh, with each and every episode, I try to refer to a evidence-based article. So um, this is uh, the words of Ellie that uh, I know I butchered her last name. But so she just says, we've all been defensive. This horseman is nearly omnipresent where relationships are on the rocks. Again, talking about defensiveness. When we feel unjustly accused, we fish for excuses and we play the innocent victim so that our partner will back off. How well said is that, right? It's hard for people to own their own stuff. And I, and I find myself sometimes still wanting to just make excuses where in reality, um, 
kind of you know, own it. If because and, and especially if you kind of own your behavior, oftentimes that will put your partner at ease. Your partner, if they're kind of saying, "Hey, you know, I, I really don't feel like you were thinking about me there," or you know, t- "Tell me more." It really feels like I wasn't a priority. And instead of going, well, "Yes, you were," you know, you just don't recognize it. But it's like, man, you know what? I I, I did kind of get carried away with my time. And you're right, I could have called. That diffuses so much of uh, negativity in a relationship. But she goes on to say regarding defensiveness, this strategy is almost never successful. Our excuses just tell our partner that we don't take their concerns seriously and that we won't take responsibility for our mistakes. She gives an example. Question. Did you call Betty and Ralph to let them know that we're not coming tonight as you promised this morning? Defensive response. I was just too darn busy today. As a matter of fact, you, you know how busy my schedule was. Why didn't you just do it? So now all of a sudden we're, we're on our heels and I find myself doing this one often and I know I just did a little two-part uh, uh, podcast on ADD and uh, I now realize, boy, that you know, I don't want to just blame this one on the old ADD, but there are many, many times where I am on it. I will call Betty and Ralph. I don't know a Betty and Ralph, but I would call them and let them know that we're not coming tonight and then if my wife says, did you ever call them? I did not call them. I, my bad. I will call them right now. And uh, instead of the, I just got so busy. I find that this is one, boy, here's one that comes to mind that I get a lot where, um, and I'm going to go back to stereotypical uh, husband at work, wife not, and I apologize if that is offensive to anyone, but uh, these, this is one that I get often where, uh, you know, wife wants to just know that husband's thinking about her and husband's at work and wife just says, hey, can you shoot me a text in the day or can you just let me know that uh, how you're doing or just let me know that you're thinking about me and I can't tell you how many times I hear a guy say, I'm just so busy and I, and, and I boy, here's where 15 years of therapy, I get a bit grizzled, I bet. I mean, I do it in a very loving, strength-based way, but uh, just to kind of say, uh, hey, really there, uh, guy? You, you know, not even 10 seconds when you're going to the bathroom. I mean, you're just you're at it all day, uh, eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours without a single break. You didn't uh, you didn't think of anything else. You didn't talk to anybody about small talk. You know, just own it. Just you bet. I, you know, I don't. Yeah, I get caught up. I don't think about that at times. Or I've had some really productive conversations where somebody will say, I just sometimes when I'm around other guys, I feel self-conscious or that sort of thing. And and so we can get to some productive conversation there. Or if a guy says, I really, I, I, I hesitate. Sometimes it's a really struggle for me to remember during the day. And if we're doing this in a nice, productive, uh, I always like to say EFT setting, then uh, having the, you know, having the the spouse or the wife in this scenario understand that, okay, he isn't just necessarily forgetting about me, but uh, then when he maybe does remember me, there are times where he can't reach out to me. So even just kind of bringing that awareness without the, you know, you're doing something wrong helps you move forward, helps a guy then feel like, okay, I know she wants to hear from me and man, she, you know, she hears me, she gets me, she knows that, the, that it can be hard for me then I'm going to write myself a little note or I'm going to set an alarm in my phone or because I know that it's going to be appreciated. There's there's a productive conversation around instead of just the person not owning their part, not, you know, instead of the person just saying I was too busy, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can do better or I didn't think about that today and I really need to. So um, after that question and defensive response, the Betty and Ralph example, um, uh, she also then goes on to say this partner not only responds, responds defensively, but they reverse blame in an attempt to make the other partners make it their fault. Instead, a non-defensive response can express acceptance of responsibility, admission of fault, and understanding of your partner's perspective. She goes on to say, oops, I forgot. I should ask you to do it this morning because I knew my day would be packed. That's my fault. Let me call them right now. As a matter of fact, that goes on to a deeper concept there. When you, when you own it and then, hey, let me do it right now, you know, I apologize. Oftentimes, then your spouse is going to say, no, 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 I got it. I, you, you know, I, really, appreciate, I really appreciate you being honest. Um, so although it's perfectly, and this is Ellie again, although it is perfectly understandable to defend yourself if you're stressed out and feeling attacked, this approach will not have the desired effect. Defensiveness will not only escalate the conflict if the critical spouse does not back down or apologize. 
This is because defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner and it won't allow for healthy conflict management. That, again, love that point. Defensiveness will only escalate the conflict if the critical spouse does not back down or apologize. This is what I love, this line. This is because defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner and it won't allow for healthy conflict management. Blaming your partner, defensiveness, own it, own your stuff. That is such a big thing. When I'm working with addiction one-on-one, I have a whole section of my online program, The Path Back, that is just about own your own stuff, admit it. Just say, you're. yeah, I need to do better at this. I'm not putting as much effort as I need to in this. It's hard for me. And um, just owning your stuff goes such a long way in building a healthy relationship. So the last, the fourth horseman is called stonewalling, which is usually a response to contempt. So stonewalling occurs when the listener withdraws from the interaction, shuts down, and simply stops responding to their partner. Rather than confronting the issues with their partner, people who stonewall can make an evasive maneuver such as tuning out, turning away, acting busy, or engaging in obsessive and distracting behaviors. Ellie goes on to say, it takes time for the negativity created by the first three horsemen to become overwhelming enough that stonewalling becomes an understandable out. But when it does, it frequently becomes a bad habit. And unfortunately, stonewalling isn't easy to stop. It's a result of feeling psycho, uh, physiologically flooded, and when we stonewall, we might not even be in a physiological state where we can discuss things rationally. This is what I find often. I feel that stonewalling is a little bit of that freeze part of the fight, flight, or freeze, and, uh, and I like how she – and she has a link here to the, the physiologically flooded. There's an article on the Gottman Institute that talks about what that means. You feel like you're stonewalling during a conflict. Stop the discussion and ask your partner to take a break. Um, Ellie gives an example. She says, all right, I'm feeling too angry to keep talking about this. Can we please take a break and come back to it in a bit? It'll be easier to work through this after I've calmed down. A lot of, a lot of good data, a lot of good studies out there that talk about that it, it takes some time. I've, I've read everything from 45 minutes to a day or two for the brain to truly empty all of that cortisol and stress hormone, that fight, flight, or freeze response. I did a, a podcast episode, I swear it's back in the episode numbers of the 50s called Rules of Constructive Communication. And in there, I, I try to lay out, here's what happens. If you get flooded, use this script. You know, This script will help you disengage. Because one of the things, and the reason I went to that, is that even as in this example where she says, can we please take a break and come back to it in a bit? I know from doing this for a long time that oftentimes the response is, yeah, but we won't. I, I feel like we don't ever come back to it. And I understand that. So we need to make sure that we set up a way that we can come back and talk about the things that, uh, that don't necessarily go as well that cause this physiological flooding. So, um, and, and Ellie does go on here and she says, you know, after you say, can we calm down? She says, take 20 minutes to do something alone or that soothes you, read a book or magazine, take a walk, go for a run, really just do about anything that helps stop feeling flooded and then return to the conversation once you feel ready. And I really do encourage you to go find the episode, uh, Rules of Constructive Communication, because I, I go into a little bit more there, too. It's nice to pull back, do something different, but also it's important to think of the other person's stance in that point. Don't just go back and brood and be angry and ruminate, but when you take that step back, you take a breath, you lower that heart rate, try to try to throw a little bit of empathy toward your partner on your own. You know, you can, instead of saying, man, I can't believe they didn't listen to me, that's a time to say, okay, now that I've stepped away from the scenario, let me see if I can understand where they're coming from. And if both of you are doing that, you can see how a lot of times when you come back together, then, it, then there is a lot of, man, I'm sorry. I thought about it. You're, I, I, I hear you. I should have listened more. So she goes on to say the, four, the, the antidotes to the four horsemen. Being able to identify the four horsemen in your conflict discussions is a necessary first step to eliminating them, but this knowledge is not enough. To drive away destructive communication and conflict patterns, you must replace them with healthy, productive ones. And so um, she has a link to an article on the Gottman Institute website that, that does talk about the antidotes to the four horsemen. So I highly encourage that. I can throw a link to that on the show notes as well. But, uh, hey, thanks for taking the time today. I hope that, that uh, this didn't feel like you were taken out of the woodshed, so to speak, 
But it's if you find that there is criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or stonewalling in your relationship, then let's do something about it. And whether you, um, and again, I always say the virtual couch is not, it's not a replacement for therapy. So I highly encourage you to find a good couples therapist in your area. And uh, this is going to sound like a complete plug and it kind of is, but if you don't feel like you can, you know where to go or there's no one in your area or you don't want to go to a waiting room or that sort of thing, go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. And uh, they do have, um, they have therapists there that can help couples therapists, that sort of thing. But whatever you do, please get help. Your marriage is worth it. So I hope, uh, I hope you learned something today about the four horsemen, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And uh, that this is a call to action, something that then will cause you to feel like you can do something about this. All right. If you have questions or examples of that in your own marriage, please send them to contact at TonyOverbay.com. We'll probably talk about those on a future episode. And uh, now... Okay, I have said it once. I will say it again. Here's one of the things I really love about the Oxbus recording platform. It says, Tony, record an outro. And this always reminds me of the What Did We Learn Today? Part of any kids' TV episodes of the 70s and 80s. So hopefully today you learned something about John Gottman's Four Horsemen of the Marriage Apocalypse and uh, how to stay away from those. Remember, those are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And... Uh, I'll put the link down in the show notes of the article. The Gottman Institute has an amazing website. And uh, don't forget, if you're interested in checking out some online therapy through BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch because you will get 10% off your first months of service. And it does help a little bit of covering the cost of recording and producing the podcast. And please remember that the virtual couch is not a replacement yet uh, for professional counseling. Yet. I don't know where that came from. Not a replacement for professional counseling. And I would be forever grateful if you like something that you heard today in the show, share with a friend who you think might benefit from today's topic. And on that night, note, if you like the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe and rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help more people find the podcast. And feel free to contact me at contact at tonyoverbay.com. If you have questions or a topic you think would make a good podcast, if you're interested in having me come to speak to your group, company, organization, or congregation about any of the topics that you've heard on the show. And with that said, I will see you next time on The Virtual Couch.